I am Jeremy Pleasant. I'm the senior pastor here at the Vineyard Church of Baton Rouge. I'm really glad everyone is here with us. Um, so last week we had a, a great message from Lauren May and, and as, we, as she closed out our series. And so really grateful for that. And, and we are starting a new series um, uh, this week. This is kind of a mini series. Uh, but before we do, I, 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 I want to welcome you with, you know, and like our official welcome statement. Um, and, and this is something that, you know, it's, it's going to be a constant reminder because it, it, it tells us uh, not only for those who are new with us who we are, uh, but for our church reminds us who we are and who we're called to be. And so welcome to the Vineyard of Baton Rouge. Welcome to a place you belong. Welcome to a community of hope. You can be the furthest from God. You can imagine you can be a faithful follower. You can be looking for life. This place is for you. You can be a saint or a sinner, a loser or a winner, lost or left over, adopted, abandoned, whether you're divorced, LGBT, rejected, alone, or just someone who doesn't fit, welcome. You're welcome here because Jesus, our God, became man. Welcome the least of these and everyone in between. We believe in radical acceptance, radical transformation, and radical reconciliation, practicing the radical love of Jesus for everyone, no matter the cost. Welcome to the Vineyard. So we are starting this new series. It's, it's, it's kind of a mini series. We're just doing it these next two weeks called Stories of Renewal. And this is going to be like a theme that we're going to come back to every now and then. Um, but, you know, scripture is filled with these stories of renewal. And it's something I want to uh, continue to come back to because our lives are our lives that are in need of renewal quite often. And so we're going to look at um, the story of Joseph today. And it's, it's a story that many of us are familiar with and some of us aren't. And, and the next week we're going to look at the story of Ruth. And so before we dive in, I do want to encourage you. So in the next uh, couple weeks, as we start our Lent season, there's going to be some exciting things we're going to be doing. And so I just, I, I want you uh, to just kind of keep that on your radar. Make sure you hear that that first week before, before Lent, because we're going to be doing some fun things this Easter. And uh, it's, it's really cool what Sasha said about um, Heritage Ranch. We've been working with Heritage Ranch for years. And um, uh, actually, the executive director of Heritage Ranch, uh, her, her parents attend this church. And so we've been giving to them for years, and we've been serving there for years. And it's just really cool uh, just to hear Sasha's story that one of her students uh, was, uh, was a part of Heritage Ranch. And so this is what we mean about like actually serving the community um, and, and, and like serving the whole community. And so it's really exciting. I want to encourage you. This is like the kind of work uh, that we're doing next week that anybody can do. Um, and so it, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So let's, let's, let's dive in. So when we look at scripture, you know, we can often look at it, oh, this is like a history, right? It's a, it's a history of Israel, a history of the church. You know, that's one way to look at scripture, yeah? But it's also a, a place of learning, right? It's, 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 we, we use the scripture to, to learn, and, and that's important. Would everyone agree with that? Okay, so, but it's also a little bit more than that. You know, all laced throughout scripture is, is a lot of poetry. And the poetry exists not just in the Psalms, um, but exists all throughout scripture. And we also have stories and narratives 
and principles that are all throughout scripture. And so when we start talking about poetry and, and stories, they do more than just put words on a paper, right? They're meant to evoke something. They're meant to do something. And that's the important thing about learning about the Bible is that it's not just words on a page to learn about something. These things are written to have life and to impart life to us as we engage with it. You know, scripture is meant to evoke our imagination. Now, that might seem like kind of weird. Like, what do you mean? Like imagination with scripture? Like it's just, it's just this document, but it's much more than that. And when you look at the Old Testament, you look at, at how the Hebrews engaged with scripture, it was common practice to, to engage your imagination as you're reading this word from God. And so that's what I want to do today a little bit and do over these next two weeks to be able to place ourselves in this story and bring it to the present. So it's not just knowing about what happened then and there. It's not just putting ourselves in that person's shoes, but seeing how that story engages with our lives today and how this plays out in our each and every one of us. Because the story isn't going to be the same for every person. And every person's experience is going to be different because we're all individuals. We're all unique. We all have our own experiences. And so the, the, one of the reasons the Bible works is because it's, it's not just the static information. But these things that when we engage with it actually transports us into the future and with our lives with God and becomes this very living thing. You with me so far? Okay. So the story of Joseph begins in Genesis 37. And so it's, it's a story from early on uh, in, 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 in the scripture, but it's, it's still a kingdom story. And so when we say kingdom, um, that, that word is used a lot. But when we say kingdom here in, in, in the church, in our church, we're talking about kind of our, our grid for Kenan theology. It's this idea that says the kingdom in heaven comes down to earth and we experience what heaven is like on earth. And like, that's actually a possibility and that we, we can experience that. And that's in fact what Jesus told us to pray for, that we experience heaven on earth, that God breaks into human affairs so that good can happen. And so this is a kingdom story. There's also a particular principle in this story of the kingdom, which is last and first. Jesus kept doing this thing where he just kept reversing stuff. <laughs> and sometimes we need to be reversed, <laughs> to kind of be flipped on our head to see what God is doing and to experience that renewal in our lives. And so we're not going to go through the whole story because it's about 13 chapters. <laughs> and we're not going to be here for three hours, but... We're going to go through some key parts of it. Many of us know the story. And for those who do, I encourage you to walk with me as we look at it again with fresh eyes and an open heart and listening ears for God's leading. So there's often this tension when we talk about kingdom. So often the good we see comes from the hardship. Hardship often comes after a season of good. I mean, it would be great if just like things were good all the time. But if you've been living more than a day, <laughs> you know, that's not exactly how it goes. All right, so let's, let's start early in the story. Genesis 37, 
two through five. When Joseph was 17, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. In my day, they called that a snitch. <laughs> Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They hated him so much they couldn't say a kind word to him at all. So Joseph here is the youngest, but he's the most favored. Now, I have a little brother. I used to be the youngest. Then I wasn't the youngest. And I had a little brother. And so look, this is the thing. We all know in my family that my little brother Joffy is the favorite. Like, it's not a secret. We all know he's the favorite. We've accepted it. That's just, that's just what it is. Like, my parents can pretend like we're all equal all they want, but the reality is my little brother Joffy is the favorite. It's what it is. My wife, Kim Tang, also the youngest in her family, is most assuredly the favorite in her family. <laughs> Something she likes to remind me of quite often. You know, we like to say, it's like we have like this principle, oh, I love all my kids equally. Mm. Okay. So here's Joseph wearing his robe, this beautiful robe, and going to go check on his brothers. So the reason why this part is important is because normally the oldest in this culture is favored, right? And so Joseph, who was the youngest at the time, at the time he was the youngest, he was the most favored. That's already turning things upside down. This is not fun for the brothers. Okay, so he's out there. He's going to go check on them. And so they see him coming here. They're like, here comes a snitch, right? And they're like, all right, we got to do, you know. And so he comes out and they're like so angry at him for no reason. They just hate him, right? So they're so angry at him. That's actually planning on killing him. But the oldest brother, Reuben, is like, okay, let's not do that. Um, but he doesn't stop it. He just gets them to not kill him. And so later on, uh, the, an opportunity arises for them to get rid of their brother, and they sell him into slavery um, with, a, with a, a clan of, of, of Ishmaelites. And so Joseph is sold into slavery, and they take his robe, and they put uh, and animal blood on it and made it and, and brought it back to their father like, hey, dad, um, Joseph's dead. And so they deceived their father. And so he gets sold and then later on gets sold again. And this time he's sold to uh, an official of Pharaoh. Now, you're going to hear the word Pharaoh a lot. And you're going to hear that anytime we talk through kind of the first couple chapters of the Old Testament. Pharaoh is, it's kind of another word for king, but doesn't exactly mean king. It's just like the big boss, right? So it's just like master, CEO, whatever you want, emperor, you know, that is like the highest reigning person of an empire, okay, of the Egyptian empire. And so he, he, he gets sold to this high ranking official in Pharaoh's uh, government. And so he's already been sold twice now. But then, then things take a turn. 
So as he's working for this official, he gets put in charge of all of this official's um, affairs, like of everything. They're like, Joseph, you're in charge. And so things start to look up, right? I mean, he's still like in servitude, so it's not great, <laughs> right? But he has a lot of favor and he has a lot of responsibility and he's seen favorably by his master. So, you know, things are looking up. Good times. Then, then things take another turn. And he gets accused of a crime he didn't commit. And so Joseph's master took him and threw him in jail, the place where the king's prisoners were held. Uh, yeah, there, there wasn't like a trial. <laughs> it's not how this works, especially when you're a slave. So he got accused of a crime and he gets thrown in jail. So first he gets sold. Things are looking a little bit better, but then, <laughs> then he gets thrown in prison. And so as he's in prison, once again, he has just favor with the warden. And so Joseph was really wise and he had the presence of God with him. And so the warden was like, you know what? This guy's legit. I'm going to put you in charge of all the things in the prison. <laughs> like, even in prison, things are looking up, and he's doing well. And so one day, two other officials from Pharaoh's uh, uh, organization get tossed in prison. And so they came to, they, they were all hanging out one day, and they're like really distraught. Joseph's like, what's going on? And so they, they, they were distraught, these two officials, because they had these really bad dreams, and they didn't know what they meant. And so Joseph was like, all right, I can actually explain both dreams for you. And so um, he explained both dreams, and he told to one of the officials, when you get out of here, remember me. Tell them about me. I shouldn't even be in here. One, I was taken from my land and sold into slavery. Then I got accused of a crime I didn't commit and tossed into prison. Please tell them about me when you get out of here. Remember me. Genesis 40. which I forgot to put in. So I'm going to read it. It's going to be a read aloud. The third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a party for all of his servants. Before all of his servants, he gave an audience to the chief wine steward and the chief baker. He returned the chief wine steward to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But the chief wine steward didn't remember Joseph. He forgot all about him. So I want to stop here and just, and just reflect a little bit. And thinking about everything we've seen to the story so far. You know, do we know what it's like to be hated like Joseph was? Do you know what it's like to just not be believed? To be forgotten? Like those are some... Those are some hard things. Like, I know what it's like to be hated. I know what it's like to scream the truth and still you're not believed. I think many of you know what it's like to be forgotten, to be unseen. This may be Joseph's story, but it's also our story. 
So one of the, one of the big things that we see as, as we go through all of this is that there's no like direct interaction with God. All right, so in this whole story from Genesis 37 to, to 50, there is no direct word from God spoken, no like direct interaction with God, and yet God is moving the whole time. Often it's subtle and, and just in a, in a way that's not obvious, but he's arranging things. And, and it's also, it's happening in ways that we just can't predict. If you don't know the story, you're just like, well, how did this happen? And it's just God is moving in ways that we just can't see. And that's the same for us. So, for example, Google. All right. You type in a little Google search. All right, and what comes up? Some options, and then you click enter, and then, and then your, these 10 options come up. Very simple, right? Except that it's actually not simple. With every Google search, 10,000 things are happening in the background that we can't see. When we're not searching, there are things happening 24-7, millions of things happening 24-7 that Google is doing so that when you actually finally enter in search, it gives you the results you're looking for. There are millions of things happening that we have no idea about so that we can type in a simple search and get the answers we want. God is moving in ways that we cannot see. He is arranging things in ways that we cannot see. He is making things happen in ways that we cannot see. And so just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. You know, we have this theme in the story of dreams. The story started out, Joseph had a dream that he was going to be over his entire family. It's one of the reasons they hate him so much. Joseph got out of prison because he interpreted officials' dream. And he helped Pharaoh with his dream. And, and eventually, his, his, his dream from the beginning was fulfilled. And obviously, it was God working through those dreams. You know, another element we see is this, is this divine presence. This was a constant throughout the whole story. It was nothing that, like, Joseph could conjure up. It was just he had the presence of God on him. Like, everyone he saw was just, like, they favored him. They're like, the God is with this person. They didn't even believe in the Hebrew God. They're like, but somehow, like, God is with you. Come help us. <laughs> he had this divine presence. It just was. Every step of the way, he had favor. He was seen as one with wisdom. When he took everything over, he was only 30 years old. And then there's one other thing that's critical to see as God moves throughout this story. So, Pharaoh, the boss we talked about, was tortured by this dream. And he asked Joseph to interpret it. And uh, so Joseph gets a temporary release from prison to visit with Pharaoh about this. And so Pharaoh asks, like, hey, no, no, no one here can interpret this dream. Can, can you do it? And uh, I, 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 I love Joseph's response. So this is 41. 
Uh, verse 40, uh, chapter 41, verse 15. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means, but I have heard that you can hear about a dream, you can, you can interpret it. Joseph's response, it is beyond my power to do this. But God can tell you what it means and can set you at ease. There is a tremendous amount of faith right here. You're in prison. You get released to meet with probably the scariest person you could possibly meet. And he says, I heard you can do this. Don't let me down. <laughs> right? Like that's an intense moment. Except that Joseph doesn't rely on his own strength. He doesn't say, oh, sure, no problem. He's like, no, I actually can't do it. But I have enough trust in God that I believe if you tell me your dream and that I believe in this moment, he brought me here for this moment to help you with this. Joseph didn't know this was going to happen. He didn't know what was going on in the background. He knew in that moment, okay, God brought me here from this moment and he's not going to let me down. And so what does he say? I can't do it. But God can. So I'm asking for some help. That amount of faith, that ability to just, in the hardest and scariest of circumstances, say, you know what, I'm still going to trust in God. That's actually God moving in this story. God moving in response to our faith. So, we see this story take place in the prison. He gets elevated into the prison. Then he gets released. He interprets the stream. And so I want to go back in the story a little bit. And we talked about how he was sold to this, uh, and the second time he was sold as a slave to, to, this, to, the, uh, to this major official. His name was Potiphar. And so I want, I want to look at this. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, this is the pot, name guy Potiphar, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. That's amazing. So later, after this took place and he got thrown in prison, the, um, the wine steward remembered him at just the right time. Um, as Pharaoh was, 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 was struggling with his dream, he's like, oh, 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 wait a minute. There's this dude I, was, I, I shared a cell with. He can actually help you. Two years passed after that point. After Joseph was forgotten, two years passed. And he was remembered. And then we see later in Genesis 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire 
land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. So I want, I want to pause again and reflect on where we're at in the story now. To experience what it's like to be trusted. Like, trusted. To experience what it's like to be remembered, to be seen, to know what it's like to be restored. This is the hope for us, and this is the hope for each and every one of you in your stories. That as we experience the hatred, the unbelief, being unseen, that on the horizon is, is, is a place to be trusted, to be remembered, and to be made whole again. And that's not some, some time way down the line when, when this is over and, and we all, you know, passed into the next place. No, this is available now. We can experience this now. You know, later in the story, we, we see something interesting happen. Um, I, I kind of wish that I, I put the scripture in, but I took it out and now I'm like, ah, oh, I should have put it in. So, um, we get into this famine, right? And uh, Joseph's family back, back, in, um, back in their home, that whole area is, is, is in famine. And so Jacob, Joseph's father, looks at his brothers, and, and this is what he says, what are you doing Look at each other for? Won't you go to Egypt and go get some food? It's just like, I feel like my dad has said that to me at some point. <laughs> I mean, this is like a story from thousands of years ago, and I, it still sounds like, some parents we know, right? <laughs> and so the brothers go to Egypt to get some food. But lo and behold, the person they have to go to is their brother, Joseph. Now, they don't know that it's Joseph, of course. They think he's long gone. And so what happens right after, it would seem like Joseph's like, oh, ho, 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 we about to get even. Vengeance is mine, said Joseph. And so he, uh, when the brothers come, he like, Joseph starts questioning them. So they don't recognize him. I mean, at this point, this is 20 years later. Um, and well, I think like 15 years later, you know, he, he looked completely different. So they don't actually recognize him. And why, would, and why would they be looking for him, right? And so uh, he, Joseph just, just really messes with them. Like, almost it, would, almost it might seem like a little harshly. And so he starts questioning them and is like, what's your father's name? What does your father do? Do you have any other brothers? And so then they, they, they're like, yeah, Father Jacob, he's sick. Just please give us food. Yeah, we have a little brother, Benjamin. And, and so... Joseph was like, all right, listen, I'm going to give you some food, 
but I'm going to keep your other brother, uh, Simon, here. He's going to have to stay back. And I want to see Benjamin. So this thing about Benjamin, it was Joseph's younger brother. And Benjamin was also his, his full brother. So it was his other brother that was born to, to, to his mom. And so he, he, he held Simon back until they came back and, and, and brought Benjamin. And so they come back uh, a little while later after they ran out of food. They came back and they bring Benjamin. And Joseph can't take it anymore. He reveals himself to his brothers and he just starts weeping. I mean, he is just overcome with emotion as he sees his family and as he's able to help them. He was so overcome with emotion that he was crying so loudly that everyone in the court was like, yo, what's happening? Is that Joseph crying? Why is he crying? I mean, that's how loud he was weeping because of how much he was feeling in that moment to be restored back with his family, to see his brother again. We all need renewal. And I'm guessing that it's not just us in here, but I'm guessing you know someone who needs this story of renewal, who needs to hear what this is like and to be able to experience this. Someone who feels forgotten, unbelieved, unseen. Someone who who needs to be restored. See, this is not just Joseph's story. This is not just my story. This is not just your story. It's a story for everyone. And there's a space to invite someone else into this. And I want to encourage you to do that. To invite someone else into the story of renewal. Into, into this experience. And so after this, Joseph brought the family from the land and brought them into Egypt and just, just took care of them. Gave them everything they needed. Gave them land where that, so that they can plow when the famine would end. And so then Jacob's father died. Jacob, uh, sorry, Joseph's father died. And so his brothers were concerned. And they're like, okay, dad's dead. Now Joseph's going to come and get us. He kind of let us be while, while, while our dad was alive. But everything we did to him, he, he's going to come after us now. That's, that's what they were thinking. And so they sent a letter. And they said, hey, it was our dad's last request before he died that you would forgive us. I'm dead serious. It's what, it's what happened. <laughs> I'll probably do the same thing. <laughs> but now, look, we don't actually know if that was Jacob's last request or if they were just really trying to stay alive. <laughs> but they sent the letter. They sent the note. And then Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God? Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. 
And so he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. What we see then is that this is not a story of vengeance, but a story of renewal. Joseph says, am I God that I can hold this against you? Who am I? What was intended for harm, what was the worst time of my life, God turned into good. And I believe with all of my heart that with every trial that we endure, God will turn it into good. And as I reflect often on the difficult things that I dealt with in my life, and as I spend time going back to those places, I can see how God used that. He didn't cause it. He didn't create it. He didn't bring me harm, but he used the harm that was there and created something good. It's a tale not of vengeance, but of restoration. So what story in your life could use some restoration right now? Can you place yourself here? No, not in Joseph's shoes, but in this narrative. Can you place yourself in this narrative and find what it means for you? And so how do we do this? You know, what we see in here is, is you know, if, if, I have, if I had to make like an outline of, of how this happened with Joseph, it would be dream, perseverance, faith, and compassion. Dream. So what has God called you into that you feel hasn't happened yet or you've forgotten or let go of? As we talk about perseverance, as life has knocked you down, what areas of your life have you not gotten up from? Where have you just stayed down? What part of your faith needs to be reactivated? Where do you need to step out knowing that, hey, maybe this didn't work out too well last time, but I'm still going to respond in faith. I'm still going to trust God. Where in our narratives of our lives have we lost trust with God? And so this isn't like a condemning thing. Let's just acknowledge that. Like, let's just be honest about it. I know I have to do that all the time. Like, Lord, reality is I don't, I don't know if you're going to come through. <laughs> I don't want to trust you. <laughs> right now. Do you remember what happened last time? It was hard. <laughs> it was painful. I don't want to do that again. And so we acknowledge that. One of my favorite scriptures of the guy who's coming to Jesus asking for healing for his child says, Jesus, come heal my, 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 my child. And Jesus says, I will if you believe. And he says, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. It's a simple prayer as that. God, I trust you. And then there's parts of me that I don't trust you. Help me with those parts that I don't trust you. And you know what Jesus did? <laughs> he healed that child. There's, there's something to learn there. And then compassion. What are you holding on to that needs to be forgiven? Who is in your debt that you need to release? See, this renewal was made possible because I, Joseph didn't actually hold a grudge towards his brothers. 
he released them. Were you seeking vengeance and instead need to work with God and seeking reconciliation? And trust me, there are times when I have wanted vengeance. Often we confuse vengeance with justice, right? Wrong has been done to us, and injustice has been done to me, and so I want justice, but the reality is it's vengeance. And we have to let God speak into that, because nothing, no one has anything done like Joseph had done to him. So we have to let God speak into that and actually seek reconciliation. And as we do that, we can experience the renewal that God has for all of us. All right, let's look at some practical tips. Okay, so at first I said read the story of Joseph in one sitting, but I'm like, actually, very few people are going to do that because <laughs> it's 13 chapters and it's, it's long. So read it in as few sittings as possible. And so this is why. This is like one story, right? So some of you know this, some of you may not. The chapters and verses were actually added later. That's not actually part of the original manuscript of Scripture, okay? And so as people would read the story, they would read it kind of all at once because it's actually one story. And so there's something that happens, and we're able to evoke our imagination and kind of place ourselves in the story and see what God is doing in our lives as we read this as one thing. You know, sometimes it's important to kind of break apart things and just look at one passage. Sometimes it's important to just look at the whole thing, okay? So read it in as few things as possible, or what I like to do is also just play it on your Bible app, because that'll go a lot faster, and you can just, you know, driving home, you can actually listen to the whole story. And as you're listening to it, as you're reading it, go through the things that we talked about today, and like, God's going to just like speak into that. There's a lot of stuff that I left out of the story because I just didn't have time to get to it. There's actually a, a lot of amazing things that are happening all in between. And as you read it, as you engage with it, as you, you, you invoke your imagination, God is going to speak. And he's going to restore. Hated, forgotten, disbelieved. Which of these adjectives Speak most to you. Trusted, seen, restored. Which of these is your heart longing for? So, this week, I want you to identify both. Where you have felt hated, where you have felt forgotten, where you have felt disbelieved. Pick one of those, or all of the above. And then actually just spend some time like engaging with your soul. What, what, is my, what is my soul needing right now? To be seen, to be remembered, to be trusted, something to be made new. And so bring the first one in prayer to God and seek God for the second one. Ask him what it will take to receive that. Is it perseverance? Is it faith? Is it compassion? Is it forgiveness? Let's seek them on that.